James chapter 1. And um, we'll look at a couple verses there, and then we'll go to Mark 11 and look at a couple verses there, and then we'll get into um, a little bit of review tonight. Praise God. James uh, chapter 1 and uh, verse number 6, it says, But let him ask in faith with no doubting, for he who doubts is like a wave of the sea driven and tossed by the wind. For let not that man suppose that he will receive anything from the Lord. He is a double-minded man, unstable in all his ways. Again, lots being talked about here. The context is a prayer for wisdom. But he says in connection with the prayer for wisdom that we need to pray for wisdom and ask in faith. Ask in faith with no doubting, for he who doubts is like a wave of the sea driven um, and tossed by the wind. Let not that man suppose that he will receive, not just wisdom, but will receive anything from the Lord. He's a double-minded man and stable in all of his ways. Now turn with me to Mark chapter 11. Mark chapter 11 and um, verse number 22. Mark chapter 11 and verse number 22. These are verses that we have gone back and forth between and you may not read them every Wednesday night, but they have been um, central to our current study. And so I just want to Again, um, draw your attention to them. So Mark chapter 11, verse 22, it says, So Jesus answered and said to them, Have faith in God. For assuredly I say to you, whoever says to this mountain, be removed and be cast into the sea, and does not doubt in his heart, but believes that those things he says will be done, he will have whatever he says. He will have whatever he says. Now, almost... Um, 21 years ago now, it was the Saturday night before our first service as a church. Um, this would have been the first Saturday night in June 1998, and our first service was that Sunday morning, um, first Sunday in June 1998. And the Lord had been dealing with me for some time about starting a church, and some of you know the story that this church... Um, was birthed in the showroom of uh, our cabinet business, my cabinet shop down the road about, I don't know, about six blocks that way, I guess. And um, one of the things that the enemy really used against me in taking that step of faith to, to start a church was I didn't really see where I would be able to develop that many sermons a week. Um, and, and preach, and so I just kind of, I shared that with Pam, but, you know, it's just something we prayed about and really didn't make known to a lot of people. Well, we were there that Saturday night. Uh, Matthew was there. Tom Roberts was there. My dad was there. Probably some other folks there. Uh, Mom, I guess, Pam. Um, and um, we were setting up, and just, there was a lot of excitement. And, and so somebody said, well, look, we, you know, Mark, we want to pray for you. And, and um, Dad had shared some things that I've talked about before. He, he looked me in the eye, had tears in his eyes, and he said, son, we have a rare opportunity to get it right from the very beginning. And, and it was just a real special moment. And anyway, they laid hands on me that night and they began to pray. Well, 
Again, the Holy Spirit knew one of the things that was troubling my heart. They, they didn't really know it. But one of the things that was prayed that night was that, and it really, I'm sure there's a lot of wonderful things prayed, but the one thing that they prayed that just, it stuck out in, in, in my heart and does to this day. I'm reminded of it lots. Amen. And, um, and this was the prayer that, that every sermon I preached would produce two more. That every sermon I preached, the Lord would give me two more. Now, if you start doing the math, it, it doesn't take you long to get more sermons to preach than you have a place to preach them in. Now, what has developed from that is the Lord has opened up a lot of opportunities now for me to preach and teach. And even then, um, you know, the opportunities are not enough to get it all said. Now, on our Wednesday night study, we began last year in a series entitled Walking by Faith. Faith is something that we've taught on over the last 21 years, off and on. It's an important subject. But when the Lord led us back to it this time, it was with the promise that He was going to show us some things that we'd never seen before. And, and kind of right out of the gate, you know, He began to just kind of redefine for us what it really meant to walk by faith. And, and then it wasn't too far into that study that He began to show us that, that there is a genuine faith, but then there's a pretend faith. There's, there's a, an unfeigned faith. And so if there's an unfeigned faith, then that begs to reason that there's then also a feigned faith, which would be a simulated faith or a pretend faith. Now, if something is simulated, that means that it has many of the characteristics of the real thing, but it's not the real thing. It's, 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 it's simulated, it's, it's pretend, it's not genuine. And of course, what we want, what we need, what Father God wants for us and what He desires for us as well is that we have genuine faith. That we have genuine faith. Amen. And so, from there we, we went, I'm not going to try to cover all of that, but, but I thought that, you know, we would maybe carry this into a little bit into this year and then we would move on. He would lead us on to another subject. But instead, it was like all of those sermons and lessons were just getting us prepared for what he began to say to us at the, at the turn of the new year. And so, for the you know, first time, I guess, ever, I, I, that may not be completely accurate, but um, every time I come to you on a Wednesday night to preach to you, I come to you with more than... I had last Wednesday night, and last Wednesday night I didn't know how we would ever get all of this taught. I'm talking about sermons that are like ready to go. It, it's, I'm not, I'm not, this is not, oh, look at our fabulous pastor. That's not what I'm trying to show. I'm trying to, I, I share that with you, number one, to pray for me because, you know, I literally sat in front of my computer and I'm like, well, Lord, what, what do you want me to, which one tonight? I mean, I don't, you know, it's, 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 um. Think of it this way, if I came in here with a wheelbarrow to unload, 
By the time I'm done preaching, I've got two wheelbarrows to drive back to my office. That's, that's what I'm, I'm trying to explain to you, okay? Now, the tendency on my part is to go faster. But I don't feel like that's what we're supposed to do. Because there's some things here that I know some of you have already laid hold of, but I also know that some of you are new to the study and some of you are still just some of the terminology and things. It's, it's um, to be honest with you, I'm not saying it's never been taught before, but these are things that I've never heard anyone teach on before. And, um, and so, amen. What I want to do tonight, and I believe we're going to have time to do more than this, but if not, that's okay. I really felt led uh, to just simply go back and, and do a review. And, and, and because, listen, now, this is really important, all right? The Bible says in the last days, people will always be learning, but never coming to the knowledge of the truth. In other words, they, they will be in a constant state of learning, but, but they'll never really make any progress in the subject at hand. Now, if God loved us enough, our Heavenly Father loved us enough to make us aware of that, the least that we can do is say, okay, I'm not going to be so prideful and arrogant to think that this can't happen to me. That I can't be always learning, but never really making any progress, never really, you know, gaining any, you know, ground on, you know, closing the ignorance gap in my life and, and, and really, you know, laying hold of some things that I should have laid hold of already. And so one of the few things, I'm not going to try to go into all this tonight, but one of the things the Lord showed me is that, is that people are always learning and never coming to the knowledge of the truth because they're not connecting together all the different things that they've learned. It's, it's um, when Daniel was learning to count, and so I'm glad he's with the youth of woman embarrassing, but you know, when Daniel was learning to count, you know, he, he uh, got, all, you know, got the family gathered around, he's a little feller, you know, and he stood up real straight and tall, and, and he's going to count for us. And he just starts throwing out numbers. Seven, three, eight... So four, you know, just, you know, but he thought he was counting, and it was cute, you know, it was precious. But the Lord spoke to me. He said, that's the way many of my preachers preach. There was, it's random oracles. It's, it's, it's random numbers. There's, it's like nothing has to do with anything else, and that's not how we learn. And if, if we only learn randomly and, and never learn how you know, to, to build one truth upon another and connect one truth to another, that's one of the things and one of the, I think, key reasons why people are always learning but never coming to the knowledge of the truth. So, there are some things that we've covered that, you know, we worked on this piece, now another piece. So what I want to try to do tonight, in, and we just call this a review, is at the same time, those who haven't been here for these sermons get the high points, but then for all of us to see something, a, a, a bigger picture uh, coming into view, something much bigger than, than the sum of its individual parts that Father is trying to um, reveal to us. Does that make sense? Okay. All right, so 
so let's do this. And I'll, I'll, I'll try to just obviously be led by the Spirit, but, but not talk too much about any one of these, but we'll work our way through these. All right. First thing tonight is that God's ways are the ways of faith. God's ways are the ways of faith. We could say it another way. God doesn't do anything apart from faith. So if we're going to function in God's system, we're going to have to learn how to function by faith. Amen. I want you to think about that now. God created the universe by faith. He spoke. He released. He, and, and so even that passage we looked at when he says, have faith in God, one translation says, have the God kind of faith. In other words, follow the faith of God and follow the example that God has set for us. I'm not going to try to number these, but the next one is faith is how you receive from Father God. Faith is how you receive from Him. Now, there's a lot of people who think you receive by begging or you receive because you're in really bad need or any of these things. Again, God's ways are the ways of faith, and faith is how you receive from Father God. Also, you were created by Father God to live by faith. You were created to live by faith. And we've preached a lot of messages on that already. Faith is not just something that we go to in a bind or we're in a crisis and now we start like, you know, searching through the sofa cushions of our lives to try to scrape up some faith to get past something we can't handle ourselves. No, no. Enough faith to live on. Enough faith to live on. Now, most people on planet Earth are not living by faith. They're living by the opposite of faith. They're living by sight. They're living by the way things look, seem, and feel. We don't live by the way things look, seem, and feel. We live by thus saith the word of the living God, in spite of, no matter how things look, seem, or feel. Now, this next one kind of brings it home as well. You were created to solve problems by faith. You were created to solve problems by faith. Amen. The Word made it very clear, God, Father God made it very clear to us that we were going to deal with situations in life, but we were to deal with those situations by faith, of course in His name, but by faith. Now, I'm not trying to just shoehorn everybody into the same box or a category or whatever, but most people, at least people in this country, right, they try to solve their problems with money. In other words, if, I had a, 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 an older fellow one time tell me, he said, he said, if money will fix it, you really don't have a problem. If money will fix it, you really don't have a problem. That's not a Bible verse. I don't know. You might could find some truth in there somewhere. But the bottom line of it is what that does re reflect is that money is what so many people have put their trust in. And money is how many people, or at least their first thought is, you know, whatever the issue from a, from a toothache to a power bill is, you know, got a problem. Do we have enough money to fix it? I'm not saying there's anything wrong with money. The Bible doesn't say money's the root of all evil. The, money, the Bible says the love of money's the root of all evil. But again, 
You were not created, you were not designed by God to solve problems with money. You were created, designed by God to solve problems with faith. And if the problem requires money, you were created by God to acquire that money by faith. Okay, I appreciate this. Two amens and one Baptist nod. Let's keep moving. So we're going to continue to review. Faith sets you free from depending on this world system and its limitations. See, if you don't know how to operate in faith, then your only other source is this world and this world system. But remember, Satan is the ruler of this world system. So if we don't know how to get what we need and what we want by faith, if we don't know how to receive from God by faith, if we don't know how to function in faith, if we don't know how to live by faith, if we don't know how to solve problems by faith, then our, the only alternative we have is a dependence upon this world system to try to figure out or to find our answers or to meet our needs or to get what we desire. Now there's lots and lots wrong with that, but the one that I simply want to point out to you this evening is that this world system doesn't have all the answers. There's all kinds of things that this world system doesn't know anything about, can't fix, can't help, can't touch, and don't even try. Faith will set you free from that. Faith will not just give you another option, it will become your only option. Amen. Amen. All right. Now, 1 John chapter 5, verse 4 says, Faith is the victory that overcomes the world. Think about that now. Faith is the victory that overcomes the world. Now, who do we just say rules over this world system? Satan rules over this world system. And, and we're going to get into this more in the days ahead as to exactly what that means and what that looks like. Okay? Oh, I'm so tempted to do it right now. Let's just keep moving. He rules over this world system, and this system that he set up in this world that he rules over, he uses it to try to influence everybody, but especially trying to influence God's people to ultimately make us dependent upon his system rather than putting our trust and our faith in God. The devil knows that his system compared to God's system is so weak, is so, the Bible uses the word rudimentary. I mean, it's horse and buggy and, and Father God is space age. I mean, it's like candlelight and, and Father God is whatever's beyond LED light. I mean, the, the, God's system is, is, Father God's system is on a, on a so much greater plane. The devil knows that, that his system cannot compare in any way. Everything in, this, in the devil system is an effort for him to produce a cheap counterfeit for the genuine that's in God's system. And so, again, faith is the victory that overcomes the world, and the world is... Okay, I'm gonna, I, I just... I, it's me and it's... You're praying for me, right? Okay. <clears throat> What we saw tear up Lee County on Sunday, hear me out before you get mad at me. The Lord told me this two weeks ago. I had no idea we were going to have those kind of tornadoes in our state. What we saw in Lee County on 
Sunday was not the power of the devil. He doesn't have the power to do that. The Bible says that mankind's sin, Adam's sin, and then we all contributed being descendants of him, brought a curse upon this planet. The book of Psalms says the foundations are out of course. And so the weather patterns that Father God set up, in other words, there's movement, there's seasons, there's, you know, the wind carries seeds and pollen, all of these things, cold fronts coming in, warm fronts moving out, changing of the season. When God designed that whole system, He designed it to work perfectly, never for a hot front to, to, to violently you know, come in contact with a cold front and, and create a weather patterns that kill people and, and tear up their homes. God did not do that. God did not design that. But when He created the system, it's a very powerful system. Adam sinned through a wrench in the works on his way out the door of the, of the steering wheel of that system. Adam's sin did two things. It broke the system and it caused Adam to abandon his position of dominating or, or, or controlling that system. Think of it this way. Nature now is like a freight train out of control because nobody's driving. You say, well, the devil's driving. Yeah, but see, again, the point, what the Lord spoke to me was that when you see a tornado, it is not the power of the devil. See, I always believe that's just the devil. No, the devil doesn't have that kind of power. He hijacked a system that was broken and abandoned. And now, a system that was supposed to be predictable has become unpredictable. What has post, supposed to be something you could set your watch by has now become wildly erratic. The devil uses that to pull us out of faith in God's ability into his cheap counterfeit for genuine faith, which is probability. I got to come back down there. Thank you, Holy Spirit. I'm going to say amen. This is the part he wants me to say tonight, so it's good. Thank you, Lord. Amen. I'm learning to trust him. The randomness that was the result of Adam's fall, things going crazy, haywire in nature. Where do you think all of these false religions come from? Where do you think people who don't know anything about the true and living God, yet they worship all kinds of gods? The gods must be angry. Right? See, the system is broken, but it is still functional. So a farmer can take a big old sack of corn and go plant 50 acres of corn, and that corn will grow and develop and be produced 
in a system that God created. God spoke to the earth. God created the rain and the sun and all these other things. But because of Adam's sin and the curse without cause does not come because the ground was cursed for Adam's sake, right? The earth was cursed for Adam's sake because he threw a wrench in the work, works, broke the system and then abandoned the system and the devil jumped in the steering wheel of that system. Now that same farmer can plant 50 acres of corn and a drought can come and he lose all of his harvest. Or bugs can come and eat all of his soybeans. Or a flood can come and wash it all away. And so people started doing things towards this God that's never spoken to them. The Apostle Paul called idol worship. He called them dumb idols. He wasn't saying they're stupid. He's saying they'll never speak to you. They're dumb. They're mute. They don't speak. So, But why do people all over the world offer sacrifices, give money? Some of them even beat themselves with whips until they're bloody. What are they trying to do? They're trying to pacify. They're trying to appease this God that they don't know and doesn't know them, right? That they think is responsible for all this randomness. Let me say it another way. They're trying to improve their odds. They're trying to figure out a way to stack this random deck in their favor. So maybe if we do this, or maybe... We, and so then even people say things like, well, you know, you didn't that, or you didn't this, or you've been bad, or you, you didn't... It, it knows that somehow now, you know, the God of the universe is... You know, you say, they even bring Him... Christians bring him into this whole convoluted, messed up way of trying to understand things. I thought this was at least one or two weeks from now, but this is, I, we've been, for those of you who are new to the study, God spoke to my heart and he said, his children, his children, that's us, right? He said his children have put their trust in probability instead of His ability. To the point that we prefer probably over possibly. We would rather be told it's probable than told it's possible. To the point that many people think probable and possible mean the same thing. And they do not. So all the randomness that's a result of the curse and the abandoned position of authority that Adam stepped out of. That's how Satan became the lowercase G-O-D of this world, 2 Corinthians 4.4. It's how he became, Jesus called him the ruler of this world. He said the ruler of this world is coming, but he has nothing in me. Nothing he can use against me. Nothing that I've done that gives him any... The Bible says to you, for you and me to give him no place. God did not 
anoint Satan the ruler of this world. He did not appoint him ruler of this world. He never intended for him to be ruler of this world. Adam was supposed to put the devil under his feet and he simply didn't do it. He didn't do it because he decided, along with his wife Eve, listen to the word, I'm going to say it really, I'm going to really inflect my voice, that if we eat the fruit from that tree God told us not to eat, if we do it, if we take the risk, if we roll the dice, if we take the chance, we could very well be like God when the dust settles. You see? See what they're doing? See, the ways, the, God's ways are the ways of faith. God already told at least Adam that, you know, in other words, Adam knew he was like God already. That's why I think the devil, I think Adam's failure there was he didn't tell Eve who she was and and so the enemy was trying to manipulate in Eve a mother's heart. And a mother's heart is to make things better for her family. And so now, you know, the devil's like, no, 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 listen, you know. But, but I'm getting ahead of myself here as well. But the first thing the devil did is he got them out of their heart and got them in their head. Faith is a function of the heart. Faith is a function of the heart. Probability thinking deceives you and me into believing or thinking that we can somehow believe God and operate in faith through our brain. Doesn't work that way. All right, I got it. Let me get back here. So, the system that was perfect became broken because of Adam. And we can say it this way, Adam abdicated the throne. He, he, he ran and hid. And so the devil jumps up in the, in the captain's chair, right? And he's a deceiver. So he wants all of us to think that, that all this stuff that's going crazy in our world, somehow he's the power behind it. No, he's not. It's a broken system. It's an, it's an out-of-control system. And he just is trying to take credit. Now, Jesus comes along. And all of this bizarre stuff being stirred up and manipulated. I will give the enemy that. He manipulates how things look and appear and and, and, and all of this stuff, he manipulates fear. Now all of a sudden, he decides, oh, I got him out in the middle of the ocean in a boat, I'm fixing to drown them all. Here comes a foul, out of the will of God weather pattern. And Jesus stands up in the bow of the boat and says, Oh God, why have you forsaken me? Are you really going to let me drown? No, no, he stands up in the bow of the boat. He points to that wind and tells it to lay down. He points to that storm and tells it to shut up. He points to those winds, those waves, and tells them to lay flat. And they obeyed him. Everybody in that boat but Jesus was shocked, but Jesus was not shocked. 
Because wind is supposed to obey you. Storms are supposed to obey you. Sickness, disease, again, all of this came because of the curse. But what did Jesus do? He reversed it. He destroyed the works of the devil. He, 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 he came in by faith and solved problems that people had for generations. Fixed it. See, folks asking, you know, what are the odds? That picture that I put up on the screen, see, that's what we talked about last, last Wednesday night. The crowds were thronging Jesus, but one woman touched Him. And the simple point, I think the title of the sermon, if I remember correctly, is probability throngs, but faith touches. Why were all those people touching Him? Not because they were trying to get the last pair of 11 and a half Air Jordans and it was crowding into a building or something. Are you following what I'm saying? They were touching Him because they were hoping that if by chance they touched Him, they would be healed. None of them were. Because they were operating in probability. They were operating in a what do we got to lose mindset. They were operating in what can it hurt. They were operating in I guess we'll give it a try. That woman was not wondering what the chances were that she would be healed if she touched Jesus' garment. She knew before she ever slipped out of her door and went down to the street to meet Him. I believe she actually was waiting for Him to come past, slips out of there. Brother Aaron and I were talking about this the other morning. You realize she was breaking Moses' law by being in public with, with an issue of blood. And the police was standing there with Jesus, the ruler of the synagogue, who no doubt knew her who no doubt knew her condition. Think about that. See, that sorry devil. See, she was so determined. Man, I'm fixing to go touch Jesus and be healed. And then she looks out there, and there's the one man who could have her stoned to death for mingling with the public in her condition. Faith was bigger than all that in her heart. I bet she probably, I don't know, this is kind of how I've learned, I'm learning to, to cast down those thoughts, you know. I bet she told the devil, if they stone me, they'll stone me healed. Yeah. 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 Right? <laughs> if they stone me for touching him, they'll stone me well. I'll leave here whole. I won't leave here sick. Yeah. Amen. See the difference in that? Probability. Maybe it will, maybe it won't. Let's see, what do we got to lose? No, no, no. See, she was... Focus, she was determined. So let's go back to it now. Praise God. Sometimes I wish I wouldn't look. Amen. All right. You get anything out of this? So there's a system, right? Now, when this earth became cursed and, and, and God's enemy uh, took the wheel, we didn't stop living. We didn't stop getting thirsty. We didn't stop getting hungry. We didn't stop needing clothes. We didn't stop needing a place to live. 
And so the devil's acting like he's the big shot and that he's the creator of this system and all he's done is hijack the system that God created that men messed up and he, he's acting like it's his and he's trying to lure everybody away from God's highest and best into his system. Till the days of Noah. When every thought and every heart was only evil continually with the exception of one man and his family. Some people say it was judgment. Okay, I'll give you that. It was a mercy killing is what it was. In comes the flood. We start over. Blessing now placed upon Noah. That gets kind of messed up. And so now he calls out. We got, you know, this, his people, right? The Jewish people. What God is, is, is doing in the descendants of Abraham and these these are people of faith. God tells them very strictly, don't, don't mingle, don't intermarry, don't do all that. And now we've got a problem in the New Testament. Everybody pulls that over in the New Testament. No, no, he was trying to simply maintain a, a bloodline of faith through which he could bring Jesus to this planet. You've got all the other heathen nations of the world. What are they doing? They're screaming out to all kinds of gods. Why? Trying to figure out some way to cope with the randomness that is life on this planet. So every time we cross our fingers... Every time we say something like my air conditioner hasn't needed to be repaired in four seasons. <laughs> Knock on wood. <laughs> oh, I can't believe you just said it. You just jinxed. It's probability thinking there. It's a probability mindset. By the way, do you know what knocking on wood, where that originated from? Knocking on the wood to see if there are any demons in the wood that will come out and help you. So remember that next time. Here's, here's my favorite. <laughs> Knock on wood. <laughs> help us, Jesus. What are we thinking? Rabbit's feet, four-leaf clovers, black cats, broken mirrors, just superstition in general, right? But notice, what are we thinking? Well, you know, you break that mirror, this whole universe could turn against you for a little while. Seven years, oh my gosh, I've already had 14 years, I don't know if I need seven more. See, see you again. We laugh about these things. We laugh about these things. But again, why are they even a factor in our thinking? It's showing again that we have at least some level of confidence in probability and our ability to do something really stupid or foolish to change it one way or the other as opposed to 
our faith in Him. Amen. All right, stand with me. Praise God. Hallelujah. I, have pre I love you, Brother Terry. Amen. I think I've preached about as long as my grandson can handle it. I hear him kind of whimpering back there. Amen. Amen. One of my favorite pictures of him is, I think, Sunday a week ago. He's got his little church shoes on, and, and I think Jake's holding him. He's sitting there, and he's got this, this real serious look on his face. I'm like, amen. All right. Father, good to us. We love you. Let everything we put our hands to today prosper for your glory. Lord, may our light so shine before men that they see our good works and glorify you in heaven. We thank you, Father, for what you're teaching us. Help us bring our hearts to attention and receive it. Apply it to our lives. Lord, make us by your Spirit aware of the times, Lord, that we have remnants or residue of that world's system, that world's concept of probability in some way to do something to change it that is completely opposite to your system of faith and trust in you. Lord, you said faith is the victory that overcomes this world. All the randomness, all the brokenness, all the chaos, all the things, Lord, that are out of control. Father, we can rise above every bit of it in faith. Even to the point, Father, where you said we could be standing in a situation that takes out a thousand people on one side of us and ten thousand on the other side of us, and we stand there unscathed. Father, that's the power of faith. And so help us, Lord, understand what you're doing, what you're saying to us, what you're teaching us in this moment. We pray it in Jesus' name. Amen. And amen. Shake somebody's hand, hug somebody's neck, love somebody in Jesus. We 